Leanne London. Leanne from London. Desna from Sydney, Australia. I'm Michael. Uh, I went to school in Florida and uh, I live in DC now. Do you think our schools are as safe as they could be and what is your biggest concern? Ours are quite safe because we have like loads of security, like but that's a quite a recent thing and it's only happened because something bad happened, like something was broken into and like loads of things stolen. So yeah, it is safe now but it should have always been uh, they're quite safe, but like members of the public, in our school, men- members of the public can just walk through, so anyone could kind of walk into the school, and that couldn't be safe because things can happen to certain people. But now that we have security, it's better, but it can still be better because security can be a bit lazy sometimes. In Australia, they're safe. Australians think that you guys are nuts because you let guns everywhere. Take the guns away, the schools will be safe. No more guns in schools. Take them away. <laughs> Absolutely not. When I was in school in Florida, we would have constantly have bomb threats, and um, a lot of the schools did have school shooting. Uh, one of the high schools that I went to, um, the year after I left it to transfer to another school, um, there was a hit list that came out uh, from one of the students that I used to be friends with, and I was most likely on that hit list, but... <laughs> This is Educated, Sisters Fighting Education Ignorance. I am Kimberly Kay. And I'm Melissa Marie. And guess what? We're in the same studio. Which is very exciting. We are rocking it in the same studio. And how would that be? It's because I am uh, here in Michigan visiting with my 13-year-old. We took a little trip. And we've been hanging out for a few days. And I'm super, super excited to be here. It's actually the first time that I've met our fabulous interns in person, not across a video chat line. And, uh, and I'm super, super excited to be here. So we've been here for a few days. And my son and I have been sort of visiting everyone. We babysat our new, uh, well, my new grandnephew and my son's second cousin. And uh, he appropriately appropriately uh, inducted my son into the Diaper Hall of Fame, which was great. That was awesome. Um, we've done some hockey, right? Mm-hmm. Done some hockey. Um, yeah, been having a good time. And we got to head out. But what's really cool is we'll be back several times this year, which is unusual, because we now live on the East Coast, which makes it much, much easier. I am Kimberly Kay, as I said, and Melissa Marie. And uh, <laughs> for this very special in-person uh, episode, we have decided that we want to tackle the subject, the very timely subject of school safety. Uh, uh, has been a week now since the most recent mass shooting in Parkland, Florida, at the Marjorie, oh Lord. Stoneman Douglas Thank you. High School. Thank you, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. And uh, we thought it would be the perfect time to, to bring out, bring up, and talk about the subject of school safety. Um, the obvious part of school safety is uh, trying to get make sure our kids are safe from uh, from mass shooters, from someone who's angry or upset, uh, bringing uh, assault type wesson- weapons into the school and um, killing people. That is 
obviously on everyone's mind right now. And there are other school safety issues that maybe we can maybe we can touch on. And we'd certainly love to hear from everybody out there uh, about what your school safety concerns might be um, as, uh, as you listen to this. So I don't know, Mimi, you are uh, a former, albeit elementary, school principal uh, and teacher. You are now uh, in charge of teaching educators, including um, some principals, mm -hmm. uh, varying grades. Uh, what's been, what have you been hearing? What have you been seeing in your students or out on the street? Well, I'll actually see my students face-to-face -face for the first time this evening, and um, we will take some time out of our course and out of our class to have a conversation about how school leadership prepares and then responds to um, tragedies such as this. And um, I'm sure they'll have lots of questions and lots of thoughts, and so we'll just open up the space for them to um, think about this more and how it relates to the work that they're preparing to do as school leaders. Um, so, um, you know, I will pull a couple of pieces of um, some readings and we'll do some kind of collective thinking around those and just kind of share some ideas because as one of the more recent Ed Week articles says, that, you know, there is no handbook for this. So there's no right. handbook in their leadership preparation programs for how do you um, cope with, respond to, and manage in the middle of a crisis such as this. So we'll just talk a little bit about how prepared, as prepared as you can be, and then some, um, you know, just some frameworks and some dispositions that they can fall back on okay. if they are managing something like this. Well, I mean, you, you've, I mean, what years were you a principal? From 2007, the more recent position was a seven-year stint at an elementary school right. from 2007 on. And so we were in the midst of securing our buildings in what was new ways for us. And uh, two of the buildings. As in a response the, to anything in particular or? Uh, you know, anytime a crisis like this happens, there it causes pause for a leader or for a school district or a school system to reevaluate their certainly. protocols. Absolutely. Um, and I think that we were just... Um, moving toward this with a sense of urgency and so another school and I were the first ones to kind of volunteer to to practice and put some place things things in place to be um, locked at all times and to use a, um, a buzzer system to allow entrance during the school day mm -hmm. um, so we were one of the first schools in our district to, to practice that now did it come from because I'm really curious I mean obviously this is a national um, uh, this is a national discussion right now, um, and it usually is after an incident like this, whether uh, it's Sandy Hook or Columbine or, I mean, this has been going on for friggin' ever. Um, so, but it doesn't seem to me like there's any over overreaching, like, advice coming down to schools about this. Is it every single district is just sort of taking it into their own hands? Any statewide help no, that you get from anyone? No, there's national help with Homeland Security. Okay. And so Homeland Security has kind of a response toolkit, um, an advisory group that will disseminate um, plans and protocols that typically will then trickle to the states, and then the states will decide how they're going to support 
counties or locals, depending on the state. Um, so we had somebody in our district who was, you know, the person that was the liaison in, in, in representing that work at, you know, our district level and then at a larger level was bringing that information back to us, um, was participating, you know, in a, in a larger way at a county level. So there are some recommendations that um, that we do get nationally. Mm -hmm. um, I think the tricky thing is, much like many other things in schools, is context is such a driver of how things are implemented and how effective they are. And every school context is different. So even if you get parameters and guidelines, yeah, um, it you know it, it's still going to vary how they're how they how they play out. So can you? Um because it is it's so varied between school district to school district can you just run me through um what's commonly known as a lockdown situation and i use that term um kind of loosely because i think as adults we all know what lockdown means mm -hmm. in this day and age and for a couple of decades now we've known what that means and what's so funny to me is that only in the last week has my 13 year old son who's been doing lockdown drills since kindergarten um it finally occurred to him that what it really is is an active shooter situation he never equated the two so uh which i just found really odd well i think there's only one so what would you i mean we're talking elementary obviously what happened last week was in high school, so their their procedures are slightly different, et cetera. They're, they're really not. Again, context will yeah. matter with how where kids are, where right. kids get to to be safe, because typically a high school is going to be bigger than an elementary yeah, school. And they have kids are more, more spread out, yeah. right? But yeah. but the procedures should be really similar. Mm -hmm. And and I think the the reason your son and the reason even some of the kids that were quoted in some of these more recent articles where you know half are taking it seriously and half aren't is because it's a balance when right. you're when you're a leader and you're trying to explicitly teach this as a protocol and a routine just mm -hmm. like coming in the building in the morning right. or coming in from recess you're trying to what do you do with your coat you right your you're trying to teach if we go into lockdown this is what happens mm -hmm. you're trying to strike a balance and trying to teach them explicitly but you know and, and make sure they know it's serious and that there's a sense of urgency to pay attention but yet not, you know, not put them over the edge emotionally so that they can't manage themselves. So it's a right. real balance mm -hmm. in how you, um, in in how you teach that as a as a teacher and as a school leader. And right. so, um, and I think that can that can be done in in different ways. But I can also see, you know, using you know, being realistic, but also being sensitive to making sure they know the protocols and the procedures without scaring them right. as well. So, so as I said, before I went on a tangent, can you just run me through, just do you have a yeah. sense of what you used to do? Uh, let's use lockdown. Fire drills, we all kind of know what happens in a fire drill. Um, so what would you do in your elementary school? We would decide if we were, well, you have, there were a couple different lockdowns. Okay. There was like a perimeter lockdown where, right, where the person um, might be outside, yeah. they just robbed the bank. Yeah, they and then there was an internal lockdown. So right. that causes, that changes a few of the, Sure, you know, so let's do internal. Steps. So Let's do internal. So you, um, you know, again, this is just in a drill. Sure. So everything could go different, so uh, differently, of course. right? Of course, and we'll talk and, about that, actually. Yeah, and so uh, there was a script that we would use that would, 
you know, I, I as the leader would go on and I would say we are, you know, attention, attention, attention. We are in a lockdown. Um, please do not open the door or, you know, please do not respond to anyone until you hear a secure and a safe message from blah, 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 blah. And then immediately, um, and we would time them. Sure. We would do them, we would do them um, a handful of times a year. And then there was the point a couple of years ago where we had to start posting our, our drills. Um, uh, when we did them, what mm-hmm. time we did them, mm-hmm. what time of day, and then the conditions, uh, the responsiveness of the students, areas to work on, all started to have to be posted. Right. Like, um, are, were you were they out at recess? Right. Were they in the gym? So those they, have evolved. Yeah. And so practicing them p- during passing time, practicing them when students are outside, practicing them in the morning or the afternoon, or so trying to vary the the conditions so that students were prepared no matter what. Sure. Practice them during lunchtime. What do you yes. do when you're in the cafeteria? So they've yes. they've evolved so that it encourages the school community to practice those so kids don't have a question about what they do um, at any time. At any you know, particular time. It reminds time. me so much of, um, and this is just a personal take. I, you know, I, I'm kind of a dork about stuff like this, and and I'm always like, prepare, prepare, be prepared. And so when we had our son. I, as soon as he could sort of follow a, a, an order, <laughs> as it were, I wanted to start practicing like fire safety. Like, how do you get out of the apartment? How do you get out of the house? We lived in an earthquake zone. I wanted to practice earthquake drills, you know, at all hours. And how do you get to that place you're supposed to be, et cetera? And my husband was always pushing back like, like, no, you're going to scare him, et cetera. And it's always been my contention that the more you do it, the more automatic it becomes and sure. the safer you end yeah. up being. And I think, obviously, that that is what's behind the unfortunate truth mm-hmm. about uh, what we have going on in the U.S. over the last several decades. I mean, look, there's an active, I mean, Kent State. I mean, the college in Texas with the guy in the tower. I mean, this is nothing new. This isn't anything new at all, which is probably the grossest and scary, yeah, and scariest part. Um, uh, so, so you would practice and practice. Now, we're, when you uh, started having to report, like, your drills and how they went. Yeah, and that was about timing. five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and was that directly to Homeland Security then, or who was that going to? That was mandated by the by the state at that time okay. to be to to be posted somewhere on the website accessible right. to public. Right. I do think I have to say I, I've been so inspired in the last week. I mean, I think I think there are hundreds of thousands of people who are inspired by what's been going on as a a response Mm -hmm. to what happened in Parkwood. And uh, one of the things that I admire or one of the things that I find so fascinating is we are actually getting to see, rather than being blah-blahed at, we are getting to see what the process actually looks like to take a concern, like one person's concern, and get it to the next level, mm-hmm. and then get it to the next level, and then get it to the next level. I had friends who went with some of the students to Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. They wanted to drop off petitions to the governor, mm-hmm. and they were live streaming this activity, and the number of buildings that they had to go into and the number of secretaries or assistants they had to get through to get to 
anybody because they were all in quotes meetings Mm -hmm. was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like there was no one person to hand something to. Nobody, nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to be there. So it's been fascinating for me to watch this process because those people were not going to give up. No, is the thing. I think they would go through this, this building, then they would walk over yeah. to that. I building. think that's what's been so impressive is the tenacity and oh, the voice and the yeah. agency that we're seeing. And and yeah. we've heard several people mention the difference between this and maybe some of the past tragedies related. Um, and you know, these are high school students and. They are savvy with what's happening um, politically right now in our nation, and they gather facts pretty quickly through social media, and they're feeling very empowered. And that is one difference in, I think, will continue to be a difference. I do too, and I, I'm, I want one of the things that I th- was thinking about in the last week was, I don't, we didn't have this level of social media when Columbine right. occurred. So I just wonder, like, would those, if those students had had the access uh, that these students do, would they have become more involved? I'm sure there were students and parents from from Columbine, and certainly there were from Sandy Hook. I mean, we're talking children here, young, young children. So it was up to the parents to take that over. Um, but I just wonder, don't you just wonder, like, would those students at Columbine have taken it upon themselves to do this if they had any idea of how to create a stink, right. as it were? Yeah. I don't yeah. think that they were in the position to, again, politically, I think that the flair was different. And I'm not sh- you know, I don't, we just don't know. But I'm right. sure social media, I'm sure the nature of where we were politically at that time um, and where we are now is definitely playing into the activism that we're seeing. Yes. And there have been, there, and this is on the coattails of some other um, very visible um, and very public displays of activism, right, yes. in the last year, year oh, and a yes. half. So absolutely. I think that there's a surge so and they're, sure, absolutely, which yeah. is a good thing. Oh, no, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, which is great. I mean, look, talk about like, well, let's, let's uh, sit in this room and talk about civics. Oh no, how about we go out and do the civics yeah. and learn by doing? Right. I love that. Yeah. Um, speaking to that, um, in the next couple of months, and I will probably p- be participating in some of this, we obviously, I mean, you can see it all over the place. There will be scheduled marches. There will be scheduled walkouts mm-hmm. for students and teachers. There's uh, one coming up in uh, April mm-hmm. um, being called for for a a 17-minute only, in honor of the 17 who were killed, um, walk out of teachers and students. Right. Um, and they've already occurred in California, Iowa, yep. Maryland, and Florida yep. as of today when we're meeting. Right, right. So, and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. I just don't see that momentum falling down, especially uh, since the the students who have been organizing in Florida right now have are organizing a, a national march. Right. Um, in Washington in March on the 24th. Yes, I'd like to get that date out there. On the 24th, if you happen to be in Washington, D.C. Um, uh, but I wonder, because, of course, there's always an opposite reaction, right? And so, in particular, there was a principal in Texas, I believe. I want to find it so I can, so I can make sure... Um, no, that's a prosciutto-wrapped chicken recipe. Um, that would not be what I need. 
shoot. Oh, that's because it's on Facebook. Um, there was a principal at a high school in Dallas, Texas, who responded to uh, these walkouts and the possibility that he had students who were going to participate and walk out, who sent a letter home telling them that regardless of whether it was one, 50, or 500 students, every single one of them would receive a three-day suspension um, for participating in that activity. And the person who wrote this article and who included uh, the letter from the principal was, was um, uh, encouraging students to ignore it. <laughs> And, and yeah. you know, just ignore it. And what was really funny was that he actually cited a couple of really good reasons to simply ignore it. He said, you know, that principal's going to tell you that colleges won't look at you. Want to bet? <laughs> they want to see active, yeah. involved people Absolutely. come to their colleges. Yeah. And he's like, and while you're at home for those three days, why don't you call up the ACLU? They love stuff like this. <laughs> so, I mean. So it's, sad. It's so funny to me to it's you know we didn't have perspective yes well but we didn't have this kind of access Mm -hmm. when we were growing up if something untoward happened in our hometown it was on the gossip chain right i mean that was it or a little local paper right and it ended there pretty much pretty much and and i just love watching this yeah i love watching this occur and i'm i'm my my son was up watching i had to go to sleep but my son was up watching the live uh, town hall last night on CNN, and he was just fascinated by it. There's never been anything like that on television. Yeah. Nothing like that on television. Um, so how do you think, I mean, you're going to know more after you talk to your students tonight and over the next several weeks and months. Um, in general, the teachers that you already know and deal with on a daily basis you know there's lots of things obviously being bandied around um uh like um restricting bump stocks or anything that can turn a regular gun into a um into an automatic or semi-automatic weapon um there is a background new background checks things being bounced around and then there is of course the let's arm the teachers um faction how I mean, look, we we live in a family that owns guns. I am not here to say that there's anything wrong with guns at all in particular. And in fact, prior to making this trip, I had already set up with our dad, Papa, to take my son out and teach him a little gun safety, a little 22 rifle gun safety, and do some shooting. My son's never done that. I think it's important. It's a thing in our world. And it, you know, there is, I've been around guns. I got sharpshooting medals when I was in middle school. I was a member, junior member of the NRA at that time. So my response is not a blanket response. But I gotta question the whole notion of arming teachers. What do you think? Based on knowing a lot more teachers than I do. Okay, first of all, we are already at the brink of a teacher shortage. <laughs> yeah. And if you now tell teachers that are, or people that are trying to decide if they want to be teachers, that now this is part of your overall training. Yes. 
we're going to have even fewer. We're, we're, we're going to have really strong, effective educators who simply will not go into or continue to be a part of the profession yes. because someone's telling them they have to do this. Because, yes, there's, there's an amendment that supports that, but that amendment doesn't say you have to. No have bare arms and so uh, to yeah. make them to make a certain population um police officers security guards there are people that know going into the occupation that that's what they have to do right um to keep a population safe and um to ask all the teachers to become one of those populations i think is absolutely ludicrous mm -hmm. um i can't even fathom how that would look or unfold or it's either. just absolutely the, one of the most <laughs> irrational things I've ever heard. My son, my son, my 13-year-old son, who knows from nothing, he he just on his own said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Can you imagine how bad a teacher would feel in any situation where they had to pull out their not semi-automatic weapon and shoot and have to be worried about whether or not they were going to accidentally hit a student or another faculty it's member or the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And, and I'm so sorry that we have leadership that's promoting it because I can't, I just can't fathom it. Oh, they're not just promoting it. It is the only thing they're talking about right now. So before we turn to our interns, because oh, we want to bring hear our their perspectives of, you know, being high school students and having experienced things like lockdowns and school safety and how these conversations are kind of happening with their friends and their people, um, you know, their leaders and teachers and such. Um, I just, you know, we taught, we threw out a couple of things that are swirling around yes. to, to help, you know, to help in the future. Mm -hmm. and, and I just want to also send the message that if we – we really need to be helping our students, our teachers, our families, our staff members, explicitly helping them to identify when somebody might be in crisis, the signs of that, and how to safely and anonymously report that. I agree, 100%. Um, and, and I think that we make an assumption that if we put a poster up that says report this, you know, in in the counselor's office or in the office or in a newsletter that we just assume people know. And I think that it has to be a much more explicit, intentional um, practice for us to help people understand, um, you know, and, and I think we also, and this is, a, I had to work on this with, you know, the two different school staffs I worked with as a, as a um, administrator, mm -hmm. when we don't, when we exclude students, and sometimes it has to happen in expulsions. Absolutely, I understand if there's safety, if they're hazard to themselves or others, they cannot be there. But we we exclude them and we strip them of their community. And if we don't have supports in place, or if they don't have supports in place, they have no sense of belonging. And they um, lose I think, their agency. Absolutely, and we have to think about what that does to them. And and. Absolutely, keeping them in school is much harder than abdicating so much that harder. opportunity. Um, yeah, but you can't but just label someone crazy. We, you yeah, can't absolutely. just do it. So we have without to, the we have to really be thoughtful about how we teach people explicitly how to report concerning behavior Agreed. of others, as well as how do we continue to support students 
and how do I continue to strengthen our mental health systems because of they course. are they're they're so they're, they're they're in trouble too. They're broken. They are very broken. Okay, when we come back, we're gonna actually introduce our interns. Hey, Educated peeps. Good news, Educated is now on iTunes. So go subscribe and listen to us on the go. And you can also subscribe to us on Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Pod. We want to know what you're up to in the world of education. We want to know your personal stories about education. And we want to know what you want to hear about on our podcast, Educated: Sisters Fighting Education Ignorance. Fight the fight with us. Welcome back to Educated Sisters Fighting Education Ignorance. We now have some opportunity to talk to our two high school interns who help us um, edit and publish and process our podcast. And we thought, what about there? There was not a better time to introduce them to the podcast world, but also to get their insight as we're thinking about um, student voice and advocacy and activism um, on the. Um, after, at the aftermath of the Parkland school shooting. So with that, we are going to turn to Noah and Dave. Hello, my name is Noah. Howdy, I'm Dave. Hi, Noah. Hi, Dave. Hello. It's very nice to see you in person. Um, so uh, as you're aware, we've been talking about uh, the, the uh, very specific subject following uh, the mass shooting last, last week about school safety. Um, in general, what would be some of your concerns as high school students about safety overall in your school? Obviously, you guys have been through drills, et cetera, for situations uh, like mass shootings or um, active shooter situations, um, and, and uh, no earthquake drills here, but uh, um, fire drills, et cetera. I'm curious to know, are there any other school safety issues aside from those that you guys encounter, that you think about, that you have worried about in the past? Um, I don't know. I haven't really been, th- it's not like something that I think about, but I do know that my school, other than like the fire and tornado drills, we have um, three different color drills. We have the yellow, like like code yellow, which is, hey, there was a guy who did this, he might be headed this way. So no one leave, no one come in, but day's going to go on as usual. We have code red, which is stay in your room, turn off lights, do this and this and this, don't leave. And then we have code blue, which is get out of the building, like like some, like something got in and you need to go. And actually just yesterday, uh, we had gone into a code blue. We had a threat at our school and police came and they were like, all right, yep, everyone's going to go and yeah. What's the general, so you can talk about yesterday specifically because it is short, so shortly after, and I'm sure that was kind of frightening, or just in generally, or just in general, how do, how do your peers respond to those? Do they, do they take them pretty seriously, or is it kind of a mixed bag? I think when it's something typical, like a code red, something that like we've done since elementary school, that it's just kind of like, oh, this isn't real. It's just a drill. So like they're kind of like lenient with it and 
teachers like teachers will take it seriously but they won't like put any punishment if the students don't take it seriously seeing as how yesterday was the first code blue that we've had in over a decade it was something that it was definitely strange to see because i wasn't there i had come in afterwards and it was strange to see the different responses of students i had seen students crying and i'd seen like just like calling parents like letting them know and so it was definitely different to see and it's 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 also important that the students will take it more seriously when the uh, teachers and the people that they look up to are not necessarily freaking out, but they're getting worried about the situation as well. Absolutely. They can start to see that. They, they're responsive to that that tension or that, that, mm-hmm. that yeah. element of anxiety. Yeah, or... not every adult is anxiety uh, capable, if that, if that is a thing. Everybody expresses their right. anxiety differently. So they respond. And yeah, and they read the they read the space, the energy, and then they're kind of responsive to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Noah, I grew up. I, I think. Did you ever have a, Mimi? Did you ever have a bomb scare in school? I'm trying to remember. Certainly in college, we had a bomb scare. Once. Yeah, my school had my school had one um, two years ago actually back in. Uh, December. It was actually just before I was going to be in this um, Wilson Talent Center program, um, but yeah, uh, we had we had a few bomb scares, and I was like, it was at the very beginning of the month, and I was like, like um, I was already going through a rough time with like some other stuff that was happening, and so that especially didn't help, and so I just was like, hey, can I was talking to my parents, and I was like, hey, can I just like not go to school um, tomorrow? And they're like yeah sure but you're not going to be like just sitting around at home doing nothing you're going to go with your dad over to work and so i was like all right just something to do i guess and so um yeah those bomb scares definitely didn't help my state of mind already um but i think um it was either before or after winter break that year that um the kid who actually did it he like wrote bomb threats like on the bathroom of uh like in the bathroom um and uh, he, ha- they actually made him go on to the announcements and publicly apologize to the entire school. And so I think that bit of humility it definitely helped out, like, the rest of the school. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, was, I was also talking to one of my friends um, who uh, wasn't going through as rough of a time then. Um, and I was, like, um, I was like, dude, did you stay home from school or something? Like, were you afraid? And he's like... Nah, I tried to get my mom to say that I was, like, I was, I, I tried to tell my mom, oh, I'm afraid to go to school, but she didn't buy it. But, like, I was legitimately afraid to go to school, um, partly because, it, again, I wasn't having the best time and just bomb threats in general. So, so that's yeah. interesting to me because they're, one of the things that uh, a student um, pointed out in the town hall when he got up to speak on CNN last night was to say, look, I'm, I've been doing this since I was in kindergarten. I have never had a safe school experience. A 100%. Now, we're gonna have bomb threats and stuff in the past, I get that. Every society goes through little, little blips. But these are students, like yourself, who are almost adult age and you've been put in that position and do you ever think about that like yeah i've been doing this since i was a kid and how do you how do you think that shapes your outlook 
on just the world in general and certainly your education. It's become a part of, it's just part of your routine since yeah. you've been in school. Yeah, it, it, it has just become part of a routine and um, part of that is like the quotas that we have to fill throughout the year. Like we have to have so many fire drills a year. We have to have so many tornado drills a year. And um, after a while, we just like in the middle of the year, we don't know if it's like a quota thing or if it's like an actual emergency. Normally, they will like uh, we've had a few like actual lockdowns, but like not when someone was like in the school, but like when someone was like robbing like the Rite Aid across from our school. Um, yeah, we had uh, we had a lockdown during that and they did say that this is not a drill. Um, but I think s people still kind of treated it as a drill like especially in my class I knew that there were people who were still joking about it they were still um they were still laughing they were still being rather loud and I'm trying to tell them like hey stop like th like there's there they could come in you don't know and they just kind of disregarded it how, how do you how what has been the buzz the last week or so about some of the you know, some of the responses from your peers or at school about the Parkland um, situation? How are people responding? Well, we were, we haven't, like, gone into full discussion in my soci sociology class, but we have talked about it briefly for, like, 10, 20 minutes. Um, and someone had mentioned that, yeah, this is, like, brings cause to bring up gun issues and, like, should teachers do this? Should, like, it be more strict to, like, get access to it? And then someone had brought up this has more cause to bring influence to looking at mental illness. And while, because you would never see like the popular kid who's got all the friends doing this, it's always the one who is struggling with depression or anxiety or has the broken home. And so it's important, like they were like, it's important to look at the like, just like the small actions that people are doing and like the simple like warning signs, the stressors and that you should, yeah, the red flags that you should always be treating people, like not not that they would do something drastic, but in the event you should always be treating people with the most amount of kindness. Uh, then something never happens. However, there is um, uh, there is a point to be made that a lot of um, people from broken homes, like especially in like minority groups, like in African American um, neighborhoods and stuff like that, they come from a lot of broken homes, but you don't see them going around and shooting up schools. And so, I mean, ev eventually it just comes down to um, a discussion. Like I can, like I can definitely see the mental illness side of it. And that is um, something that does need to be addressed. But I think what in, what in this particular circumstance with Parkland um, and stuff like that, um, is that it comes down to the type of gun that was used. And um, for me personally, I think that it should be more restrictive on the types of firearms, not just like a complete gun ban. It's just stricter gun regulation. Like, we don't need AR-15s. We don't need semi-automatic weapons. We need, um, like, I'm totally fine with, like, handguns and pistols f and Glocks and stuff like that for personal defense totally fine with that I'm totally fine with hunting rifles I'm totally fine with that what I'm not okay with is assault weapons like AR-15s being allowed access to the general public that's the thing that I have a problem with and that's where I would draw a line and I think what you both just mentioned in your insights is that this is going to take a really comprehensive 
chain of actions, right? So I, I think you're, you're you're both right, and I think there are other um, ideas and thoughts out there, and I think it's going to have to be approached in a really multifaceted way. Yeah, because people like to polarize everything into just a black and white scenario, but there's all sorts there's all sorts of shades um, in between where there are valid there are valid points on both sides and so it's not just it's not just one or the other it's going to take a lot of communication and a lot of collective energy toward some forms of solutions here yeah so when do you guys start voting (laughs) (laughs) um i start voting um soon um yeah june 11th is my birthday so once i well once i turn 18 end of may well i think we're gonna see some new some new energy and activity amongst our youngest voting of age americans that's right and you you had mentioned uh that it's gonna take something like like a lot of comprehensiveness i don't want to say what i like about what that happens but what i like is the fact that students young adult teenagers is that we've always been treated as kids we've never gotten a say in anything and so as we're coming of age to vote we are i feel as though the like young adult population we are the ones that are going to have the biggest say because we've always been oh no you can't vote on this you don't you're not smart enough we're just very passionate about yeah. what we want to and, say and so like we've like just had to sit there quietly listening to both sides getting an intake of both as where adults of the older generations are stuck in their ways they're not going to like budge a whole lot and so i feel like this is the like this is the chance that we are finally going to like allow that like bit of freedom and i think that you what you both just said is really representative representative of this impassioned moral authority that we're seeing amongst uh, students your age and slightly younger um and i know before we and I just, you know, I think KK and I both, and I'll speak for Dave and Noah also, just send our regards to um, all of the families of, um, you know, students and staff and um, around Parkland and wish everyone that is taking an active stance the very best um, to take care of themselves, but um, continue to um, fight the good fight. Good fights take good self-care. Absolutely. So thank you, Noah and Dave, for joining us. I'm so glad you're our interns. (laughs) Thanks for having us on.